Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Mean O Lion Media presents Conversations with Dr. Ian Smith. Rashawn McDonald, welcome to the conversation. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate uh, you. Long time. Uh, still looking good. Looking, looking as I say, professionally young. <laughs> I like that. Hey, let's jump right into it. Um, uh-huh. You know, there's so much about you and your past and what you do. Yeah. So it's really difficult to decide where to start. But uh-huh. I want to start kind of in a place everyone knows you. Well, mm-hmm. I I came to meet you through our connection doing the 50 million pound challenge. Absolutely. Uh, with you Harvey and Steve, myself. Steve uh-huh. Harvey. Exactly. Stay far. Right. Um, and everyone co- connected you years ago with all of the success that you helped bring to Steve. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going we're gonna to talk about that. But before mm-hmm. we talk about that, I want to talk about what people don't often talk about, which is Rashawn before Steve. Everyone thinks right. that mm-hmm. there was no Rashawn, you know, <laughs> until Steve happened. And it's not the case. Right. Talk a little about kind of what you were doing and what you had accomplished that put you in the position, actually, to help someone like Steve Hart. Well, the thing about it is that I always tell people who I am now is the person I was when I was 18. It's just that life drifts you in different directions and you tend to go where people suggest that you should go. And I'll encourage you or feel you are. You get stereotyped. You know, there's a lot of people that got dreams out there. And I had dreams out there of being more than just what I thought I could be. They said, they said, nah, that'll never happen. And so many people are out there, and that's where I'm in my life now to tell people to stop listening to those people because they, they can't tell your story because they don't live your life. And so I I went to college, took seven years to graduate, got a math degree, and that's what I thought I was supposed to be. Get a college degree, I wouldn't work for IBM, and I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy because not because it wasn't a great company. That wasn't what I was supposed to be doing with my life. And that's the key point of this whole relationship is that that we're having in this conversation is that when people look at everything I've done, you know, I, I get that moniker like a renaissance man. A lot of people say that because I do so many different things so well. And that's 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 tied to my faith because I it's a commitment to effort. God gives me an opportunity and I'm gonna give 100 percent in that opportunity lane. And so as I went through stand up comedy was my gift. The ability to entertain, the ability to convince people to uh, listen to my words and also but in the, in the background was my ability to produce and my ability to create events. That was hidden in the back because I was so focused on being in front. And so I, st- I went through a, a, a long a litany of opportunities as a stand-up comic. You know, I was, did Def Comedy Jam. I did BET Comic View. I did all those things as a stand-up and was a well-renowned stand-up comic, touring, headlining clubs all over the country. But I wasn't happy. You know, I started in a movie, uh, Jason's Lyric with Jada Pinkett and all that, and uh, played a tap dancer in there for Fast Freddy. And I was so, but I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy because I wasn't living the life that that I wanted to live, but the life that people told me, you're funny, man. Just like people say, you're smart. I went to college. Okay. I, I proved my smartness by getting a degree. I got a degree, worked for a, a top level company, IBM. You can't get any better than that Fortune 500 lane than to say, I'm a black hood from the hood and I'm at IBM with a math degree and a minor in sociology. I made it. No, I wasn't happy. 
Okay, so I graduate, I leave IBM, pursue a career as a stand-up comedian. I become a headliner, do all the top pop television shows. I'm on the hottest deaf comedy comedy show at the time. I wasn't happy. But along the way, I met a very talented guy called Steve Harvey while I was doing stand-up, and he was my opening act. And that's how our relationship started. That that one meeting moment in our lives when I when we met and we talked, I gave him advice about marketing and and uh, and things like that. We connected, you know, because I'm a guy, I'm a giver. I, you know, I don't, I, I'm not intimidated by somebody's talent or somebody's potential to be more successful than me. I'm only intimidated by the fact that if I can't help you, why did not not help? Mm, and so mm. that relationship is key because. Steve Harvey came back into my life in 92. That was like in about 86, 85, 86 we had met. And, uh, you know, as you get older, you kind of forget the years. He can verify this more than I can verify it because he tells the story a lot. And so because he likes to remind people I was his opening act, you know. Hey, you know, Rashad, you know, I used to open for Rashad. And so uh, but, but our relationship was key because he had a gift and I had a gift. His gift was a talent. My gift was marketing and branding. And so in 92, we reunited. Uh, when I had a comedy club in Houston, and that's when he got an opportunity to uh, do his own thing as a, excuse me, 93, uh, as a stand-up comedy here at Montreal Comedy Festival. They said, hey, we want to give you a TV show at ABC. And he asked me for the first time, somebody asked me what I wanted to do. I said, I want to be a writer-producer. And he went, wow, really? I said, yeah, I want to be a writer-producer. He said, but you're so good as a stand-up. I said, that's not what I want to do. So finally in my life, somebody asked Rashawn what he wanted to do. And at that point, I said, I want to be a writer-producer, which nobody was telling me. And people were still constantly saying, hey, you funny, you funny, you funny. I was ignoring the noise. I want to be a writer-producer. Well, I just want to say real fast that what's interesting is that I don't want the listeners to lose this point. It's so pivotal. Mm-hmm. I don't want listeners to lose the point that sometimes others have plans and ideas of yeah. what we should be and what should make us happy. And we know differently, but we appease and acquiesce to what others have yes. suggested. And mm-hmm. you've been doing that for a long time. And you were good at it, by the way. You were a very successful comedian. You were yeah. good at it. But <laughs> inside, it wasn't what was making you feel fulfilled. And yes. I think that I don't want to lose the point how you made the pivot to finally, when someone says to you, what do you want to do? And you finally right. stood up for yourself and said it. Yeah, I said I want to be a writer, comedian, a writer, a writer, producer. And that was key for me because of the fact that I always have been talented. I've always been successful. I've always been able to 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 to, you know, come get to the top of the mountain. But being you know, standing on the top of the mountain doesn't mean that when you look down, is that the view you like? And the view was a good view, but it wasn't the view I wanted to see. And so. So I, I started writing and Steve Harvey gave me my first job, you know, on, on ABC. And it was a key moment in our relationship because that show, despite being in the top 25 and very popular, it got canceled. And so when it got canceled, you know, Steve Harvey and I both was lost because, you know, neither one of us knew what to do. We were just riding. We were just successful, little aggressive black men who were very talented. Well, that moment right there, I had an opportunity to go and start creating my own path. Or I could stay with Steve and stay with the Steve Harvey sitcom that was on WB. That was really key for me. Again, following my instincts, Dr. Yim, I said I wanted to build my lane and I wanted to trust my talents. So by trusting my talents, I mean, Steve would have protected me on the Steve Harvey sitcom, you know, WB. Very popular, ran for like seven years. I went and carved my niche with Robert Townsend, Parenthood. 
Then I left there with the Arsenio Hall ABC sitcom. And I remember Arsenio, when he called me, I, I, I hung up on him twice. I thought it was a prank phone call at the time. <laughs> and he said, no, 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 Rashawn, 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 stop. Stop hanging up on me. This is Arsenio, just really, really. And he invited me by the trailer and uh, and we sat down and he talked. I said, I know who you are. I want you to write on my sitcom. And I wrote it on the sitcom. And then uh, after that, I got an opportunity to write on Sister Sisters uh, with the twins, T and Tamara Maury, which was life-changing for me because the fact that if you look at my whole body of work, it's all on Netflix, by the way, now. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You know, everything, you know, you know it, it's funny. Some people call me. It, it, are you saying Rashad McDonald on all those shows? Yeah. Well, let's say all those shows, the Jamie Foxx show. I'm talking about the the, uh, the, the the Parkers with Monique. I'm talking about Sister Sister. All these shows are on uh, Netflix. And I say, yes. And I'm proud of my body of work because it's about every show was about my goal was to make sure that black people were represented positively. In in the situation with Monique, there was a, they were the four-figured women and they weren't maids. They weren't they weren't cooks. They felt good about themselves. They recognized that they even being full figure that men should want them. They should look good when they dress up. And then with Tia Tamara, I transitioned them from high school to college. Mm-hmm. And that was important in that whole situation. Oh, before you leave Monique though, um because Monique did have that era of body positivity people love yes. who they are mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but speaking of positivity i mean i have to ask you this only because you've had a relationship with her and it's been in the press what is going on i don't understand like i'm not into the hollywood kind of um, entertainment inside circle mm-hmm. like that but i don't understand all of this kind of negativity that's been going on with Tim monique and tyler perry and oprah what is happening why i don't understand why this stuff is not if there is a problem obviously there is why is it not happening behind closed doors? And what's going on? I don't understand. I think social media changes the game there. You know, social media allows you to have a voice that we didn't have a voice. Back in the day, you had to call a press conference. <laughs> you know, the people don't call press conference. They just post. <laughs> and so because social media has become your personal press conference. Right. And, and and if you look at the last 10 years, that's when the whole media relationship has changed. That's why you see, I was talking, I was laughing with a friend of mine. I remember when I moved to New York in 1988. One, as to be, that was when I left left Houston to move to New York and I was pursuing my career as a stand-up comedian and all that stuff. USA Today, I had to read that every day. That was my newspaper. Yeah. It had the life section. Right. It had the money section. Right. It had the sports section. USA Today is a blip in the media system nowadays yeah. as far as where you get your news sure. because sure. It's, it's unnecessary because of the fact that it's just like Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition is unnecessary because yeah. guess what? Those women are posting on social media. So there's nothing like a wild moment. You see them, just go to their feed and they got more wild moments than you will ever get on Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. So the media has changed. And so when you look at a a relationship like they have, it's only playing out because the media that we have today allows it to play out. And that's what you have to look at. And whether we know the facts or don't know the facts, it allows it through engagement, through likes, through impressions. It continues to grow and have its own story. It just seems that Monique, who has done, I believe, artistically, so much good stuff, has helped mm-hmm. a lot of people. She wins the Oscar. And I got to tell you something. I'm be honest with you. Ever since she won that Oscar, she's had problems. And she's not the first African-American person to win an Oscar to say that things didn't get better for them. You know what I mean? Like everything started to snowball after the Oscar. I don't know. It's just a weird phenomenon. I think that let's 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 back up a little bit. She did get an apology. 
walked on stage and Mr. Lee Daniel hugged her and said, I'm sorry Mm -hmm. that he didn't have to do that. So there was a reason I'm assuming that he did that. I think that in this business, whether you're black, white, or your gender is male or female, or, or you are gay. Non-binary. And, and we're in an era where we have to have a voice. Mm. And our voice can sometimes be, in the old days, used to be shut down. If you know Monique, and I know her, <laughs> she will not be shut down. <laughs> she will tell you what's bothering her. Steve Harvey tried to, tried to tell her on his talk show, and you saw what happened there. Okay, <laughs> She wouldn't have none of that. And I have to respect her for not having none of that. Okay, because we sit up here and uh, and we question those things, and then you look at Netflix. They they settle with her. They get on a special. So so you can say, okay, look, all these negative things happen. All she did was stand up. She stood up. Oh, it was some pain. Oh, when you I'm gonna tell you something. When you standing up for your rights, it's never going to happen or be corrected overnight. But years later, Netflix special. She said she didn't want that check. Years later, she got that check and got the next request. She said, hey, they did me wrong. Whether they did you wrong or not, I don't know. But Lee Daniels walked on stage and, and, and hugged her and apologized. So now she is a, is a person who has stood up for her rights, who is now acknowledged by the general entertainment community that we welcome you back. Maybe they didn't ever welcome because she's always been working. She's always been doing special. She's always been doing credible work, but she always had that stigma over her that she was hard to work what's with. The, and I think there's now being moved. moved what's the moral to the story? Because there is a moral to the story. That's all the moral is like I told you, you know, just because when you stand up for your rights, it's never going to be corrected overnight. Right. And so you have to sustain yourself through that and stick to your guns. Right. If you stick to your guns, then and you and, you, and truth is if truth is your is your ally then you will win. Yeah. But boy, it's going to be painful. Yeah. Civil rights has been painful for us. And we still have to, and we still get trampled. We still get dogs sick on us. We still don't trust the police. We still don't trust the system, but I'm not going to change that. I'm a black man and I need to have the same rights as a person who doesn't look like me, who might happen to be white. Yeah. Well, Rashawn, I mean, you have, I mean, I know you talked about the colloquial expression being a Renaissance man, but you really, when you look at the body of your work and your career, mm-hmm. um, you have done so many things and done them well, by the way. And for those who are listening, who believe that you can only do one thing in life. Listen, I always say life is short. Why do you just mm-hmm. want to do one thing if you have other interests? And even if you aren't good at the other things, why not try them? Because you only have one yes. shot at life to do it. And so I yes. appreciate you have lived the kind of life that I've lived myself, by the way, from a professional standpoint, Yes, um, doing things that I like and trying my best. What's interesting is that you have this tremendous period of success with Steve and his shows, the hoodie award, which I love the hoodie award you guys put together, <laughs> which I'm, you know, was very upset that that stopped, but, but then you pivot out of that and mm-hmm. then you become, instead of the man behind the scenes, now you're kind of back again in front, not as a comedian, but now helping people make money with your very well-known money-making conversations. So Talk about how mm-hmm. you make that pivot and why you make that pivot. Well, I would tell you this. Um, my relationship with Steve has been fantastic. It's still fantastic. We do. He does his thing. I do my thing. That's why you don't hear anything negative in the media about us. That's not that has that is not our relationship. But I will tell you that I didn't have a brand when I left Steve Hart. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and you always hear me talk about multiple streams of income. Well, I built multiple streams of income for him, but I was only getting one check and that was coming from him. So I had I built a model that I wasn't participating mm-hmm. in. 
And so, so that that scared me. That bothered me. I said, "Okay, Rashad, what about you? What about your your what? What are you trying to do for yourself?" Well, in in in, in Steve Harvey and I having not no longer having a partnership, I didn't have a voice at all. So I was out there trying to figure out who I was. Well, I was I a baker? Was I? I didn't want to manage anybody anymore. I didn't want to go down that lane anymore. Was I a producer? And and if I wanted to be a producer, half the time when I walked in the studio, they was waiting for Steve Harvey to walk in behind mm. me. And so so I, I had to deal with that giant cloud, sure. whether it's positive or negative, because it was positive because it was on my resume, but it was negative because I wasn't no longer with sure. it. And so with that being said, I struggled trying to find a voice. And so and uh, no matter who I talked to or what interview I had, Money Making Conversation Masterclass enabled me to start talking to people and start defining who I am and then defining what I brought to the table. Because we all have to bring something to the table. You know, yours has always been health and wellness. Mm-hmm. What was Rashawn McDonald? I know now my gift is marketing and branding, mm. brother. There's nobody in the business do it better than me. Mm-hmm. I would take an idea and I would, uh, no matter how unique it is, and make it special. That's what I know now. But I didn't know that because I was so busy running around doing, again, when I was young, doing what people told me I should be doing. Mm. Oh, Rashawn, you can do that. You can be a producer. You can be the No, I'm doing what I want to do now because the same thing I was 18 years old when I passed out my first party directions mm-hmm. and charged them $5 to go into a cl- apartment clubhouse. <laughs> That's what I'm doing now. And so, but I had I had to get back to that. And it took me about three years because we stopped, I stopped managing them in 2016. And then Stephen A. Smith asked me in 2018 to be part of his team. And that started the wheels. That started me back to my original voice of, of marketing and branding. Because that's what I do now. It's not so much management. I just market and brand people. Right now, um, Cream Malicious is one of the biggest African-American-owned ice creams in the world. That's me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Stephen A. Smith, the largest sports analyst in the world. That's me. I also handle a lot of other clients that are in acting and also and food lines, and all these things are tied to my ability to market and brand. And so when you ask me, and I, and people have to admit this to themselves, and I had to admit this to myself, if you're going to fail, Dr. Ian, fail on you. Don't fail because somebody told you this is what you were supposed to do. Mm. Believe in yourself, and then everything will come right. Now my phone rings so, all the time because people are calling because I have a point of view and I have something to offer. Well, good. I want you to offer my listeners Give them three of your best branding marketing tips for the everyday person or someone who's trying to look to break out. Get just three simple tips. I would tell you, I, I would start, it was two really a consistency and communication. You know, because if you communicate with somebody, you tell them you're going to do something, then you have to show them. And when you show them, you have to be consistent about it, which means setting goals, follow up, completing the task. And so those two words, consistency and communication, and people fail that all the time. You've heard this so many times. People get their talk their way into the door and then don't deliver. Mm. Or they uh, they get the money to start the project, but they don't complete it. And guess what? They mad. They mad. They're not mad at the fact that they failed in this relationship. They're mad because, you know, the expectations they couldn't reach, but they blaming everybody mm. else. So if you're trying to be successful, it's all tied to the two C, consistency and communication, because your ability to to talk, your ability to create relationships is all bundled into communication. 
But the consistency side is where people fail all the time, whether it's going to college or getting a job or doing a task or creating a relationship that that is tied to action. Mm. That's where people fall off the corner so many times. And I get disappointed in people because of the fact that they want to point the finger because of their actions failed. But Rashawn, people, a lot of people are scared to they have dreams but they're scared to go out and try to chase those dreams and execute a plan. What do you say to people who have this kind of fear to really go out and give it a try? Every day. That happens every day. There are people out there. Let's, let's go. Let's get out of the, the job. There are people in relationships right now that they should be out of, but they're afraid that nobody else wants them. Mm. Or they're afraid that lifestyle will not be maintained. They went off by themselves. Let, we can go there right there. There are people out there who don't talk to their family. Okay, because they're afraid to apologize or they're afraid to admit that this situation, the relationship that you created over there is not good for you and you should not be in it. Then let's go over into the business world. There are people out there working jobs right now that they hate. They don't want to get up. That's why they come to work. They do. They do. They do, uh, you know, average work. And that's the problem right there. So our dreams start out of just a career. It's just a life. If we admit that if our life isn't together, we don't have a happy life, we will not have a happy dream. Mm-hmm. And so once you start committing that to the dream and overcoming the fear and the fear is change. Mm-hmm. I know you, I've known you a long time and every idea watching you on TV, pitching your product, you don't know the results of that. But it didn't stop you. That's what I've always admired about you. The energy. You would sit down and we talk, man. And I just listened to those words come out of your mouth. <laughs> and man, everything came out of your mouth was gold because you believed it. That's right. That's right. I would. Uh, this boy right here, man. You can't tell him no. You can't tell him no. I I wrote a book. Huh? I'm doing I'm, I'm doing I'm doing novel. I got a, a crime drama. Huh? Never once did I go, he can't do that. And so you have have positioned yourself to win because the word no is not an enemy of yours. Yeah. It's a challenge. And no and fear is part of the process of overcoming that you have to do to be successful. I'm going to ask you, I do at the end of my uh, talk, something called uh, Dr. Ian's Random Seven. But before I get to that, that's the very end. Uh-huh. I'm going to ask you one more question. I want uh-huh. you to, if you could, explain to my listeners what your money-making conversations, masterclass, and podcast, and show are about and why they should listen. Actually, there's two things there. I do a show in uh, Atlanta every Tuesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on WCOK. It's the number one jazz station in Atlanta, number three jazz station in the country. It's on the campus of Clark Atlanta University, where I take live calls. Well, I, I have a sec, I have a I create a segment called the bragging segment, Dr. E.M., where I have people call in. And brag, whether it's brag about their kids graduating from school, talk about their job, their business, anything that makes them feel good. Mm. Because in the black community, what we don't understand is we've been humbled so much that we are not told to promote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I did not remind people that every commercial you see on TV is a bragging set. You better believe it. Ford is saying they got the best car. <laughs> Chick-fil-A is saying they, they're bragging that they got the best chicken sandwich. And Popeye said, no, they don't. <laughs> We got it. We got it. Then Bojangles said, no, we don't. We got it. We got it. So I tell people about the show because you get it on streaming, WCLK. I'll I'll be there. I'll be doing the show every Tuesday, 6 or 7 p.m. And I have guests on there 
And the purpose of the guests is to allow them to tell the story, which is an extension of Money Making Conversation Masterclass that you hear via podcast and on my radio show, but that's recorded. Mm. On the live show, it allows me to talk to anybody in the country. I get called from Los Angeles, from, from Texas, from Memphis, all over the country. People call in and want to ask questions about how to be successful. Here's the thing. I can't tell you how to be successful. All I can do is tell you not to stop yourself from being successful. Mm. And when I say that is that it goes back to what I talk about. Fear, that can stop you. Mm -hmm. Communication, that can stop you. Consistency, that can stop mm -hmm. you. And when people don't understand that they are the problem, that they can, they can, they can be a single mom and win. They can come from the hood and win. They don't have to have a college degree and win. They can be a divorcee and win that they can be 70 years old and start their own business. Don't let age be an excuse. That's what Money Making Conversation Masterclass. It's tied to age should never be an excuse. And if you ride that out, if you're 19 years old and you have genius capabilities, don't tell nobody to tell you you're too young. If you're 60 years old and you want to start a business, don't let nobody tell you you can't start your business. Do not let people interfere with their personal ideas about who you are, accept the value that you can do whatever you want to do and you will win. And that's what Money Making Conversations Masterclass is all about. Okay, here we go. These are seven <laughs> random questions that you just have quick answers to. You answer any way you want to answer, okay? Okay. Number one. You're like a game show with Steve. Yeah, here we go. Let's go. Here we go. <laughs> uh, number one, what do you own that's really expensive that you don't feel guilty about? My, uh, my, my truck, my G550. Who have you never met alive or deceased, who you'd like to sit down and have dinner with and why? That that, that question that you asked me, I, I could give you an answer, but it wouldn't be an answer because I don't really want to meet anybody. I really don't. I, there's nobody in particular I want to sit down. I, you could say, okay, I want to sit down with Bill Gates. Why? I don't know why. Elon Musk, I don't know. They're billionaires, but what information they're going to give me that's going to change my life? I'm going to sit down with President Obama. I, I don't know. I met him, but what is he going to do? So I would tell people that it's not so much meeting these people. It's what, you are, what you're doing with your life that allows you to meet these people. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's like if, if you are, and that's how I've lived my life. I've lived my life for positioning. I don't tell people that I'm trying to make a million dollars. I tell people when I go in the grocery store, I want to buy what I want to buy. When I pull up to a gas station, I want to put the gas in the tank and not worry about what the rate, what the fee is to put the gas in the gas tank. And so uh, my question to you is that it's not so much who I want to meet. It's what I've done to meet that person. Great. Okay. Um, who has Rashawn McDonald always had a crush on? I would tell you I've had a crush on my wife. I would love for me to say I've always had a crush on <laughs> You know, then, then then we can end this conversation to be really, really corny, really, really corny. And I say, I would say that um, I've always had a crush on because she's successful and she, you know, she's a little bit older than me, Patty Labelle. Okay, okay, okay. Patty Labelle. I love Patty. Patty Labelle. Patty Labelle. You know, because she was, she was all, you know, I, I was because she was always in front of me. I'm talking about as far as the talent, as far as uh, thought power. But Patty Labelle, she's right on my wall, right here too. By the <laughs> way, every time I do my show, I see Patty Labelle. Okay. Okay. <laughs> if you were not doing all the things that you do now, what would you be doing if you weren't doing this? What other things would you be doing that you haven't done? I would tell you if if uh, I would I, my minor in college was uh, sociology. And uh, I got a 4.0, graduated with honors in sociologist, my, a minor. If I had to do it all over again, I would have majored in sociology because it changed my life. 
it told it, I realized when they talk about council culture, that's what I learned when I took my minor in sociology. I, I learned that the black history that was told to me in school was not really black history. Mm. It was a version of information that they wanted to say I participated in, mm. you know, mm. and I always tell people black history is this. This is black history. OK. You know, Christmas Attica, he died. We know he died. Got some people say he got pushed out there. Then there's a then then we were enslaved. They brought us over here. Then they freed us. Okay. Then somehow in the world, somehow out there, you hear this famous forty acres in the mirror, which really didn't happen. Mm. It happened, but then they took it away mm-hmm. as soon as uh, President Lincoln was shot. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, they just leap forward. They don't talk about uh, the, the they don't talk about the wars we participated in World War One. They don't talk about World War Two. Then all of a sudden, we get to Brown versus Board of Education. They forget all the racism, the Jim Crows. Mm-hmm. They forget all that little dark period, mm-hmm. that super dark period where black people were lucky to walk out of their house mm-hmm. and not be shot. Mm-hmm. That period. Mm-hmm. And then it. so Brown versus Board of Education. Then they then we then Martin Luther King pops up. Okay, Martin Luther King pops up. Then they signed the Civil Rights Act. Then Martin Luther King dies. Well, got to forget that JFK, he's part of our black history. Mm-hmm. So JFK, they, he, that's why you look at black houses that are old. They got Jesus, you know, JFK, yeah. Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, and so so that's our black history they tell us about. Well, when I took my minor in sociology, I cried because I didn't realize how special black people mm. are. I cried because I didn't realize that many many contributions that black people have made to this country and to this world to this day. And so with that being said, sociology is where I will be going right now. I will, I'll probably be a professor. I'll probably be an advocate of change as I am now, mm-hmm. but from my academic side. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I would have done differently. That was, that was a game changer for me, Dr. Ian. I love that. What makes Rashawn McDonald really upset? What makes them say is when people don't reach their potential. And that's not, that's a, that may sound like a cliche, but here's the thing. We all can be great, but different levels of great. I admire people or young people who figure it out. And I, I, I admire Zendaya. I admire the fact that President Obama kept a clean life so he could run for presidency. You know what I'm saying? I admire Beyonce, you know, because they figured it out. So, so. When people figure it out, I admire them. But all of us don't have time to figure it out. I didn't figure Rashawn out till I was in my 40s. Mm. So what makes me mad is that we put timelines on what we're supposed to do at a certain age. Mm. At a certain mm. age. You know, we're supposed to get graduate from high school, go to college. So 22, so 24. So by 30, you should be married or having children. If you don't have a mate at 40, you might feel you're old. You, you missed the boat. At 50, you feel like, hey... Life is not going to offer me anything. So 60, you waiting for retirement and retirement has nothing to offer. So it makes me mad that people feel there are certain timeline commitments they have to make in life in order to have a life. Mm. And that's not true. What does success look like to Rashawn McDonald? Success looks like happiness without money. And I say that I say that in the, in the sense that if you tie money and happiness together, you will not be happy because it goes up and down. There, there are people that, uh, you know, there are people right now unhappy because of what's happening in the stock market, you know, and I can't let that do that to me. So my happiness is not tied to money. It's tied to relationships. It's tied to what I can do to make somebody else's life better. It's tied to this interview. It's talking to a, what, a person I consider a friend, a person that I know that if he ever had a book, he could call me and I'd stop what I'm doing and i promote it. If he ever had an idea, I would tell him what you, what you need me to post. 
That's Rashawn McDonald, and that's my version of what happiness is, to be in a position to make change. Lastly, if 100 years from now someone finds a newspaper clipping about Rashawn McDonald, what would you like that newspaper clipping to say? I'd like for that to say um, Renaissance Man. I know that in uh, October 9th, 1981, I made a commitment. Ask God to say, hey, give me an opportunity to live my dreams. And whatever whatever lane you give me, I'm going to give you 100%. And so, and I've done that, you know, and I continue to do that. I would always do that. It's that commitment to success, that commitment to maximize an opportunity is what drives me. And so if somebody reads that article, they're going to go, I like them to walk away and go, he's right. I can be anything as long as I put forth the effort. Rashawn McDonald, thank you so much for joining the conversation. Appreciate you. Conversations with Dr. Ian Smith is hosted by Dr. Ian Smith. Executive producers Ian Smith and Ken Johnson. Find the Conversations with Dr. Ian Smith podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Odyssey, or where you get your podcast. Or on IG at Conversations with Dr. Ian Smith. Follow the Mean O-Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mean O-Line Media. Get the Mean O-Line Media app in the App Store or Google Play. Conversations with Dr. Ian Smith is a Mean O-Line Media production. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.